Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Minneapolis. With me is Greg Velasquez in Des Moines. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. The U.S. won 6-2, but it wasn't as good of a performance as you might think based on the scoreline. The goals came in two bursts, an eight-minute stretch in the first half and a 12-minute stretch at the end of the game. The overall outing was what? Okay? As expected, we'll get into it. Greg, how you doing? Bells, I'm great. A true number nine, Bells. Good for a four-goal swing. That's all it took. Just put a striker on the field and you score goals. It ain't rocket science. Let's do the lineups real quick and then we'll um, we'll get into some stuff. For Panama, not really a strong lineup, or at least not one with a ton of recognizable Panamanian internationals. They're going through a lot of turnover right now. Well, let, let's uh, let's also point out uh, it wasn't a strong lineup for Panama. We also don't know though if it was their best lineup. This isn't like oh they left all their best players home. Uh, mm. This is like they don't have that many good players at this point. Yeah, I think you just set off air. They're going through as much turnover as we are. They just don't have five twenty-one and unders in the Champions League. <laughs> right. I think at this point they are like ninth in CONCACAF in uh, like FIFA ranking. Uh, which is a little bit more meaningful now that it's a sort of a straight ELO rank. Uh, there's a probably 50-50 chance that Panama is not even playing in the Ocho. Uh, so this is very much more like a, a Gold Cup group stage opponent than a, than a real like hex quality side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet, we didn't, you know, dominate the way you might think we would on paper. Let's. I'll give the U.S. lineup st- Stefan in goal, just like against Wales. Dest at left back. Tim Ream, Matt Miazga at center back. Reggie Cannon at right back. Uh, Tyler Adams, Weston McKenney, and Eunice Musa in our written-in-pen midfield. Ulianez and Gio Reyna on the wings. And Nicolas Joachini at striker. Uh, that, that ink that our midfield's written in, is that ink good for 10 years, Bells? Mm-hmm. 10-year ink? I don't know. We we got to talk about Musa because like I I feel like everybody is crowning him, uh, and I do. I, I'm not like I'm not trying to be contrarian about that. I thought I I was I've been really impressed too. But I do want to talk specifically about what he does well with you later. Okay. But you you want to get into this this striker situation? There's been a lot of hullabaloo about us not playing a striker against Wales. So uh, I'm going over the false nine, false dilemma, and and everyone was so up in arms as soon as they saw the lineup with Legette at striker. And I kind of get it. We want to like test guys out, uh, and you know we didn't, we'd never seen Gio Joachini, uh, or from now on I'm calling Joachini Nico. Is that okay? That's good. Okay, yeah. it's a mouthful. Throwing out Joachini <laughs> every time. So we've never seen Nico, never seen Soto. So people were calling it a wasted opportunity. But also, like, the, the sort of irony of all this is that everyone was so relieved that we started the true nine uh, against Panama. But then also everyone was like, man, our possession is really terrible. And it's like, guys, maybe, maybe those two things are related a little. Uh, if, you look at the, if you look at the touch maps and, and, uh, of Legette versus Wales and Joe Aquini versus Panama, uh, Nico, as, as we've already decided to call him. Uh, I think you're, you're doing fine with the last name. <laughs> They both got about 77 minutes at forward. Uh, Legette was replaced by Joachini and then dropped into the midfield against Wales. Joachini was replaced by Soto, swap like for like, against Panama. Uh, Joachini touched the ball 
his non-shot touches were, were he probably had like 10 involvements in the game uh, in those 77 minutes. Legit had like 30. Like Legit was constantly getting the ball in the, you know, in, as the uh, often like central highest player of the team. That's a big deal if you're trying to control possession. So when we were talking about how well our midfield was controlling the game against Wales, a big part of that was how the team like was able to incorporate uh, the forward coming back to get the ball and keep it and not give it away. So that, that was actually like a really positive contribution that Legette had on that game. We didn't really get that involvement from Joe Akini. Uh He would come back sometimes. I know Joe and Cleats uh, posted that he was kind of doing the same things as Sebastian or as yeah, Sebastian Legette, but very clearly not to anywhere near the extent. Yeah, but okay, so the counterpoint might be well we we didn't we did a lot of deep possession against Wales, but very little penetration in the, in the attack. And it's it seems that we were able to develop a lot more penetration against Panama. Maybe that's because Panama's just so much weaker than Wales. Is that is that what what you would say? I'd say that definitely factors into it. I mean, Panama are a bad team. Uh, Wales are a decent team and Wales are fairly well organized. Panama pretty poorly organized. Um, you know, Giochini also, you know, I brought up the non-shot touches. Uh, pretty importantly, Giochini had some shot shot touches in that game and scored two goals. So uh, I just kind of also want to talk about how the goals don't necessarily vindicate, like, the, the narrative here. Because <laughs> that's really what I'm pushing back on. It's just this narrative that I think is kind of dumb. Uh, yeah. Like, we had all that possession that you're talking about, and it didn't necessarily lead to penetration against Wales. Uh, but it wasn't like Joe Akini somehow opened up our possession and created and turned our possession into attacking chances against Panama. Um, in those 77-minute performances that they both had, Joe Akini had two touch two shots. I'm sorry, he he created or he found himself in position to take two shots uh, plus the penalty. Uh, Sebastian mm-hmm. Legette also took two shots in his 77 minutes. So it wasn't this some sort of like you know, incredible difference in what we were able to create out of our possession. And if we, if we really want to get into it, uh, Joe Akini's shots weren't at the end of like possession. His first shot came or his first goal on his first shot came on a, a turnover that we created high up the field and uh, we turned it into a three V two. It was actually very similar to a three V two that we got against Wales. Reina has the ball driving at the top of the box. And unlike Wales where we didn't execute very well, Reina here was able to slip uh, Uliana's in and Yanez gets a shot off and Joaquini scores the rebound. Yeah. I don't think there was any rocket science to second reference of rocket science in the podcast. <laughs> That's the last one I promise in, in Joaquini's obviously in that goal. I mean, he just, you know, he, he, he did the right thing. He was in the right spot and yeah, we'll get into, I guess we'll get into yes. that a little more. So, so it's just a three V two that Joaquini is present for and does well to clean clean up the, the mess that the Panama goalkeeper made. His second goal came on a corner kick. So again, this isn't like some true like uh, strikers run that we that we saw from him in the, in a long buildup or anything like that. He was there for a corner kick. Matt Miazga had the assist uh, on it, which is not something that's going to happen often in the run of play. Uh, so so it's just one of those things where if you're pointing to Joe Akini's goals as an argument that the true striker was what changed the game, it doesn't really seem to hold up. And if you want to use like the mystical strikers instincts in the box that also isn't going to hold up particularly well because Sebastian Legette also scored on a corner kick in this game uh so 
I don't know. I don't. I don't really have a big point. I'm. I'm just like I. I got fussy because I thought it was kind of a dumb narrative. Uh, my well, my ears perked up when you said the word mystical. <laughs> I sure love that. Yeah. No. I mean. Yeah. There's a lot of oversimplistic stuff out there. Um, and I, and I'm not advocating for for Legette to be playing our nine or our false nine. Uh, and I'm definitely not trying to like trash Joaquini. You know, he was fine. It was his debut. It was, it's a really exciting game for him. He scored two goals. That's awesome. Uh, really the, the other kind of thing that I want to say though, is whatever true nine ends up playing, uh, for the U S in our next few games, uh, I honestly think it will be a lot better for us if his touch map looks more like Legette's than Joaquini's. Like, I don't think Joaquini was involved enough. And I think that actually led to some of our issues really putting our foot on the ball and controlling the game. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I, I wonder if it, did was legit coming further back than Joachini to pick up the ball? At least in some cases he was, but I don't know. I, I don't have a I don't have like a heat map in my mind. He, he what's your sense he of it? Probably was, but I think he probably has a better sense of where to go to get it. Being a center midfielder by trade, I also probably think a big deal is having John Brooks in the game instead of Tim Ream, uh, because John Brooks honestly is like a, a cheat code for playing the ball into into those uh, attacking players' feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I would say particularly in the first half, Reyna was not all that good at progressing the ball. Well, I should be more precise. First twenty-five minutes or so, like up until his goal and shortly thereafter. So I, I don't know. I don't know how we were gonna get the ball to Joachini <laughs> <laughs> with consistency. And then that's the big that's the big byword on all of this is like we we can do nice things, we can play beautiful soccer on occasion, but when when are we going to consistently do it sort of false nine aside, you know, consistently just be able to control a game and, and carve up the other team. We don't even have to carve them up. We just have to probe them, Probe, you know, probe. I'm, yeah. I'm not, I honestly, and we'll get to it in sort of the big takeaway section. I'm not concerned about any of that really. Uh, okay. Like this is, we're two games in three brand new central center midfield players playing together. Uh, there, I have no real problems or, or I don't, there are no like alarm bells going off because of, because of sort of our sloppiness. Uh, my, my false nine rant is more just about like it. I think it's actually very good to get our nine more involved in the possession. And I think we'll end up benefiting a lot from doing that as often as we can. Uh, so, so that's really where I was going with it. I think the, uh, the discussion got a little silly and again, it won't be legit, but whoever it is, I think they will, will want them to get involved in a way that is similar to what Sebastian legit did. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. I, I guess I should say, um, you know, because we're going to get into the nitty gritty, the details of this this whole game, but um, or not the whole game, but a lot of it. Big picture, it's so cool to see. You know, Soto score two goals, Joaquini score two goals, Musa continue to play well, Adams play well at the six, um, McKenney sort of the leader of this team right now. It appears, at least in terms of on field action. Dest has been fine. We know he can be better than this, but he's been good. He's been good enough. Same, same um, as Reyna. for him. I'd say the exact same thing for Gio Reyna. Like, hasn't been excellent, but you know it's in there. Yeah, I mean, I will. I'll concede that. <laughs> and then, um, I thought you know we may disagree about this, but I thought Cannon was pretty good. And you know the the center backs were a bit of a issue, but big pick. And then we got Ledesma and Yanez, some chances. And Richard's got his debut. So there's a lot to, you know, like just a lot to celebrate from this game. 
uh, as fans, as people who want the national team to succeed. Yeah, and, and I know there was some disappointment when some of these guys didn't start and we didn't rotate as heavily uh, for game two. Um, but I, I'm not bothered by that at all. I feel like the 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 reason you call guys into this camp, uh, you know, we're, we're still 10 months out from World Cup qualifying, uh, all these new players, is to... It's like you can't. You have the luxury now to sort of ease them into things. This is the this is the introduction camp. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not like we've got a, a big game next month. Like we ease them into this one. Some of them will get into the March camp. Some of them won't. Uh, some of them hopefully will be playing in like a U twenty three get together somewhere. And once we get a, a a vaccine up and running, I don't know. But but like mm-hmm. you, you get to now sort of do this at a better pace, and that's what I think uh, the goal here is. So I'm not bothered at all that. Richards only got ten minutes. Like this is his introduction. If he if he merits it, he ends up getting another look in March or whenever, uh, and we just kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. At this point, it wouldn't be surprising if any of these guys, uh, you know, shot to the top and became a um, you know a, f- a first team regular for a regular starter for the national team. It, it could happen for any of those guys. It probably won't f- for most of them, but could. So yeah, it's good to have them introduced and sort of at least a little bit accustomed to what Berhalter is trying to do and the way he talks about it and what's expected of them. Let's go to the timeline. Yes, the Bell's con. The, what, what are we calling this? The Bell's timeline? No, we'll come up with something better. <laughs> Trademark Bell's timeline. What's the, we can call it. We'll, we'll figure out a good name for it. How about that? Um, seventh minute. First real chance. Uh, Matt Miazga played a straightforward pass to McKenney was showing just inside the attacking half nice efficient i would say even kind of flary turn with the ball and he hit a slicing ball down the right wing for reggie cannon to run on to yeah we, we saw this a lot that uh that space where we were able to get cannon in behind and he timed he was timing those runs well uh, a big part of that was because uh panama's left back was kind of shocking uh defensively offensively he had a really nice ball that we're going to talk about in just a second uh but uh, defensively, he kept like getting pinched in with uh, Ulianas, who was kind of our right winger who would tuck in, um, but he wouldn't just pinch in, yeah. which would be fine. He would also step like really far up off of the line, so you had you had that uh, that situation where he's got a terrible angle to try to catch up with Reggie Cannon, and that's how we got a ton of joy in that space. Was he wouldn't just be that left back wouldn't just be in; he'd be too far high, uh, and it was just like it's just like a classic backdoor cut um, that he could just couldn't catch up with. You, Uli's uh, gravitational pull, right. let's call it. That's right. It's what Anthony Robinson didn't get any of in the last game on the left side. Is it because Uli, I posted this on Twitter a few minutes ago, because Uli megged somebody and that, that, that left back was like, never again. Never again. Play it into Uli's feet. I am wrecking him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, the, meanwhile, as Cannon ran onto that ball, which you – which you explain well why that was on so often because it was like three or four times. I already, I already have to correct it because on this play it wasn't can't it wasn't Uli right it would have been Reina at Reina was still on the right side and Uli was still on the left side. That's right, that's right. But same same, same concept. concept. So Uli Uli had switched over to the left side on this one, and and maybe he started on the left side. I can't remember. They switched back and forth. Uh, Giannis was coming up the left wing. Uh, as Cannon was, you know, settling to picking himself up to picking his head up to find somebody, and he just ghosted right across the penalty marker, uh, lost his man. I thought that was very nice, very nice off ball movement. And then Cannon hit him with a good pass right on the right on the floor, and 
Giannis just flashed it wide of the near post. Yeah, it was it was a good read from Uli to read Joe Akini's movement, and this was this was good movement from Joe Akini to you know drive forward on that with the ball to uh, to get essentially is on the same line as the ball uh, that Cannon was on, and and that created a window and. Uh, Uli waited for ju- just that moment for the defender on on him to sort of switch off and just kind of keep dropping as as defenders do in that situation, uh, and then he cut, yeah he just made a hard horizontal cut directly at Cannon instead of uh, continuing his run towards goal. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that gets me up in the morning. That kind of <laughs> not just because I'm like biased towards Uli. I mean I I am a little bit. I've been rooting for the kid for a long time, and uh, I want him to do well. But I just love that kind of stuff, that kind of movement off the ball. Really decisive, really decisive, and and not to like we don't have to do all all these like comparisons, but uh, it's something where I felt like Conrad's movement in the Wales game, like the way I would describe it, is he was very often indecisive. Uh, so this was a nice early uh, contrast to what we saw against Wales. Yeah, from our unproven, and that happened- unproven winger pool. And that happened right after Yanez went down for in a heap going knee to knee with a Panamanian after he did somebody on the left side. So I'm going to choose to believe that he was still a little shook up. That's why he didn't <laughs> score. Uh, I'm just, I'm smiling. I'm just kidding. Um, anyway, he's a clever attacking player and this is a good example. Nice run and ball across from Cannon too. Uh, eighth minute goal Panama almost immediately after the Anes chance, Panama got a free kick on an Adams foul. So Adams did this a couple of times, I, I think, over this window where he takes this weird uh, angle in a, in a like pressure clo- closing down the ball where he's like running to the to the opponent's like back shoulder, not not to get yeah. like goal side of him. It's almost like he's daring them to uh, advance the ball with their first touch because then he'll use his incredible quickness to to get the right side. But he goes to like their their wrong shoulder, and in this case, the the uh, <laughs> the Panama attacker Tejada called his bluff. And just like took a touch towards goal, and Adams just wrecked him. Yeah, for, just bear hugged him for, from yeah, behind. For no real reason. So I don't know. It was just a strange one. And uh, a couple of minutes later, he'll he'll basically do the same thing. But uh, let's talk about this one in its consequences. Well, it was like a classic ten uh, yard penalty for a block in the back. <laughs> That's what it is. Uh, so yeah, on the quick restart, Fidel Escobar, who plays, I thought he was looked kind of good as a center back who plays in Spain's second division, elected to swing it wide left to Alejandro Francis, who pumped a ball into the box. It was lofted between Niazga and Reem and Jose Fayardo, who, Fayardo, who was Niazga's man. I mean, Niazga was clearly marking him. Uh, just met it freely at the six, nodded it into the goal. So, you know, let's let's get, let's get portion out the blame like a, <laughs> like a pumpkin pie here. <laughs> Six pieces of blame. It's a really pretty goal. Like every piece uh, of Panama's execution there from the, from the ball out wide to the ball into the header, really, really like flawless. Yeah, it was really, it's a pretty nice goal. Um, I mean, I'll say Miazga was kind of cheating out a little bit because, because of the quickness of the restart, it seemed, it looked like to me, Cannon was sort of stuck in a two on one. Yes, he was. On the flank. So, and and Reyna was trying to run to catch up and help out, but it would just happen kind of quickly. And and Miazga noticed that and was sort of cheating a little bit away from Fayardo, which created that space that you know on the replay it looks ridiculous. Why is he so wide open at the six? But that's that's I guess the the mulligan that 
Miazga gets there. I'm not giving him one. I think I think he's he's basically just got to keep a, essentially like a hand on his man. Like he can't. He, there's no reason that he would leave the guy who's dead center of the field, ten yards away from goal, to drift uh, to a, a man out wide when the ball hasn't gone to that man yet. Like you would you'd wait until the ball gets played to him, and then if someone has to step to him, then Miazga would. But there's no way it's Miazga's job to go uh, cover that guy who's drifting out wide. So is it somebody else's fault for not covering over there? Yeah, I mean it'd be it'd be Cannon and, and Reyna who sort of create who their miscommunication uh, kind of creates that situation where it's two v one versus Cannon, and then once it's there, uh, and I'm not I mean it could be all one or all the other. I'm guessing it's probably Reyna, right? Uh, um, for not dropping to know. not let that ball get through or to not be able to arrive to get goal side of the guy who's on the ball and pressure the cross, uh, but once it's out there. I don't think Cannon's really done anything wrong to not go close him down immediately, even though it seems obvious since they scored on the cross to say he has to go do that. Uh, before they hit the cross in, if you said, what's more dangerous, this guy hitting a cross from uh, this, the sideline 40 yards out or the guy that you could slip in behind if you if Cannon goes right. to chase I'd say you'd probably say you have to split the difference and stay goal side of the ball but also drop to that to the runner's line, which is about what Cannon was doing, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about what about Stefan? Uh, John Muller put a image on Twitter of the you know how far away the crosser was and Stefan's clear view of it, and you do the math and you say, well, the the header happened right on basically right on the six yep. yard line. <laughs> so so how responsible is Stefan for coming out and claiming that ball? Um, I don't know, man. It's tough. Like uh, goalkeepers can have a lot of uh, a lot of sort of goals they concede where you say, ah, he probably couldn't have done anything else. Um, but the the thing about goalkeepers is, on, and I think I might be stealing this verbatim from uh, either Kieran Doyle or somebody's already, I think, said almost this exact thing. Like, you have to stop some of these, even the ones that you, it, on any case-by-case goal, you could be like, not much he could have done there. Like, a few of those, you need to do something there. So on this one, it's like, maybe he comes, maybe he doesn't. But some of those, he should come out and get in. And, and uh John Muller eventually posted a follow-up that showed Stefan's starting position. So the two pictures side by side, as the guy's hitting the cross, Stefan is like a yard off of his line uh, or a step off his line. So maybe, maybe two yards. Uh, and then as it comes in, he, you know, as the guy hits the header, Stefan has dropped to his line. So the, I think the implication there is that Stefan at the time that the cross is hit where he can start reading the trajectory, he probably would have taken two steps forward and, and gone up and got it. You know, like that yeah. would have been the mechanics of it. T- two steps up, go catch it at its highest point. You should be able to get it higher than Fajardo's head can get, you know. So so that's the implication is that Stefan had the information to go get the ball, uh, chose to stay on his line and ride it out, and what happened was unstoppable header for a goal. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a tough thing to demand of your goalkeeper, I think, don't you think? Or is it? Uh, it's. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> It's tough to say they need to get those every single time, I think. Maybe I'm wrong, and, and we need to get uh, more of a goalkeeping expert on here than I am. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's—we don't have that in our <laughs> phone book. Um, I, I guess what it is, again, it's Stefan, I think, can go get that ball. I, I think it's, uh, it's a, something he's got to get more comfortable with his, with his judgment, and he should be able to go get it. The guy also shouldn't be wide open for a header uh, from there. He, he should have somebody leaning on him, disrupting his jump, all that stuff. Yep. Yeah. 
So, you know, this veteran back three of Stefan, Miazga, and, and Reem, probably the, the uh, well, outside of some, maybe some subs, the weakest players on the team today, or yesterday, I guess it was. You know, the ones most most guilty, I guess. I'll, I'll grant that. Would you say, I'll grant that. Would you say Stefan, Stefan Miazga half and half, or more Miazga than Stefan? Um, man. Do you hate this when I, when I try to pin you down on this? Uh... I don't want. I don't want to get into like percentages of blame on the goal. I'll say Miazga should definitely as a, as a vet, he should definitely do more to stay tighter to his guy to disrupt him. Uh, and I think Stefan probably could come get that ball. Okay. Well, it, it's a it's a depressing thing to see us go down one zero to Panama on the road. It sort of felt a little bit like uh, the 2000, 2017 campaign when we just like really never played good soccer on the road. And this is obviously not in Panama, but uh, it felt a little bit like that. Yeah, it felt cheap, even though, again, Panama had to hit three really, I mean, the again, three really good uh, pieces of execution for Panama, but it still felt cheap to have it, have it happen that easy, if you want to say that. I'm glad you said three, because that actually the free kick out to Francis was really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that ball wide, then the delivery, and then the header. Again, three really good pieces of execution, um, but to... I don't know. To, to not contest any of those just felt just felt like a cheap goal to concede. Yep. Tenth minute, another Panama chance. Matt Miazga giveaway in his own half counter. Another Adams professional foul from the back. <laughs> I don't even know if you could call it a professional foul. I guess it's it was just it was exactly what you described earlier about him being on the wrong shoulder and then just kind of running over the guy. The free kick was blasted well over by uh, former. Red Bull legend Michael Murillo, current Anderlecht star, I believe. I believe. Oh yeah, that's right. Teammate. Yeah, I forgot that. Seventeenth minute, McKenny slaloms. I was looking for a good verb for this, but it was it was quite an impressive run the way he beat those first two guys. Just looked powerful and elegant in a way that he does not always do, even in the same sequence. But he slaloms past two defenders in the middle of the park. Lost it briefly in a 50-50 challenge just inside the attacking half. Recovered it out wide and then lost, promptly lost it again near the right corner. Just kind of dribbled way too far ahead of himself. <laughs> and he could have been called for a foul as he was counterpressing, but he did win the ball back and then tapped it to Adams, who uh, quickly and efficiently yeah. one-touched it to really nice. So that's Under, kind I feel of like, the key play. Yeah, sorry to, sorry to jump over there, but I, I, I kept Go watching ahead. that one again, and I feel like that was a really underappreciated little shift of the ball from Adams, who I think is really yes. clever about that stuff. Yeah, he, he had a few clever passes, and I maybe I'm going to have to start walking back my long-held belief that he's <laughs> not that great of a passer because he had the one on the third goal, too. That was just lovely. So Adams one touches it to Musa in space, and then he just he goes on a dribble, dribbling expedition and beats one guy and then gets fouled by the next just outside of the 18 free kick a few minutes later from Reyna who put it in the goal past a keeper who, as they say, probably should have done better, but it was, you know, it was a, it was a good hit low, hard towards the corner. It's, it's a clever one because you see this all the time. Now players have gotten smarter about knowing that goalkeepers have a tendency to sort of take shift their weight at the moment of the kick towards the wall side to make sure they don't get beat there. Uh, and mm-hmm. then they just can't get their weight back to, to dive back to the post that's supposed to be theirs to cover. So uh, a little a little clever clever finish from the 18-year-old. Yeah. 
Then, so that's 17th minute. Now it's 1-1. I would say my observations from that early portion of the game are that Cannon was getting up the wing well. You covered that well, uh, adequately, more than adequately. Uh, Reyna was not sharp at the beginning of the game. Dest was flashy, but pretty much toothless. McKenney was the most incisive American, very toothful, you might say. And then, uh, yeah, I had not much else to say. Adams very clean and efficient. Yeah, it was at the six. I think it was. I think it was kind of obvious right away that this was going to be kind of second friendly syndrome where uh, <laughs> Dest didn't actually look terribly interested in in playing a complete like, game of soccer. Like he it was just like, hey, when the ball, when the ball comes to me. I'm gonna mess around. I will step over it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is great. I have no problem with that in a in the second friendly of a window. Like, have a ball. Uh, yeah. One one thing that was a little bit different uh, that I picked up on kind of early is that we did drop Adams deep between the center backs uh, more than we did. Did we? Uh, we, we? It almost never happened against Wales. Yeah, he found himself back there quite a bit actually. I'd say, uh, especially since again didn't happen at all in the first friendly. So. Uh, I don't know if that's a, a John Brooks difference where when Brooks is there, you don't want to crowd Brooks out of that space because he's so, uh, I mean, clearly the best distributor on our team from deep. Uh, so mm-hmm. there's no way you want to displace him there. Um, or if it's just, if it was a way to try to beat Panama's um, l- like different shaped pressure. Uh, but it was definitely a thing where Adams was, Adams was kind of filling that space. Okay. Yeah. I'll say one thing about Dest uh, and his, you know, his step over step stuff. I love, I love Serginio Dest. Like, I'm, I'm not just. L- let me just put that disclaimer out there. But the thought that kept coming to my mind was uh, final thirds. Uh, quoting final third, it was fake swag. <laughs> you know, like the no look, like the no look pass when you don't, like you're not actually fooling anyone. You're just making it. You're just sort of making an aesthetic statement, which I'm fine with. But all right, I was gonna say I would I want as much fake swag as we can fit into an eleven. Okay. <laughs> I think there's a uh, I think there's a high correlation between fake swag and then also having real swag. Yeah, I think that's true. I did I did think I did think Uliana's had some real swag in this game without having a lot of fake swag. Like you didn't see him play and think, oh, like he's the swaggiest out there. But he was doing he was doing. He was doing some saucy stuff. Uh, are you embarrassed by that no, passage no. of talking? I'm actually really excited uh, tw- for when we get to the, the swagginess of the substitutes. 22nd minute, Dest entry pass to Reyna on the left side. And Reyna, Reyna's attempted through ball is cut out. But then Reyna and McKinney spring into a pretty furious counterpress, and they win it back. When I say counterpress, most of you know what that means, but maybe some of you don't. That's just like after you lose the ball, pressing high to get it back quickly, right? Yeah, it's like a, it's like the immediate swarm. And and at this point in soccer in 2020, like your attacking shape often is set up with the counter press in mind. So you don't just like it's not just like oh we randomly lost it now we all somebody sprints at it. Uh, you are already set up in anticipation of what will happen when you lose the ball, and that's just another extension of of the chance. You know, like that's mm. that's where we are in 2020 where. Uh, can can I do a little bit of a, a, a side note here? Uh, Absolutely, it was really obvious in the Wales game uh, how we how like deliberate we were with our counter press because uh, you know we were building out of that two three five. But one maybe I'd talked about this in the first podcast, but I don't remember. Once the ball would go wide to like Dest or Robinson, 
the other the other fullback, the weak side fullback, then wouldn't keep advancing up into the box. They would immediately like shift to the middle of the field, and they'd even give like a little hand signal to the players behind them to be like, "I know, I'm here in my spot for the counter press." Like we will have uh, the two center backs, and then at least one of those three uh, center mids, and usually two of them, plus the weak side fullback would tighten way up into the middle, and that would be like our our two three uh, counter pressing shape. Uh, so whenever it came out, we would immediately try to squeeze it, smother it, create an umbrella where it can't get beyond you, foul if you have to. Uh, but you keep, you do it at all costs, you keep that ball from getting uh, beyond and letting the other team counter. Okay. Great. So <laughs> on the 20, no, I mean, it's helpful. I mean, people have been asking us for more of that kind of stuff. So it's it's great. So twenty. let me continue with the 22nd minute. The uh, They win it back. Reyna and McKinney in this in the counter press and they it falls to Reyna in space. He slips it wide to Yanez. You described this earlier, and his shot. Uh, it, we couldn't get a really good angle on it yeah. from the camera, but it did force the goalkeeper down to his right, and he potted into the center of the area. Uh, Joe Akini swept it home. Seemed like a pretty preventable goal from the Panamanian goalkeeping coach's perspective but again i didn't have a great angle on <laughs> no it totally was and, and i'll even say i was talking about how it was a cleaner execution than than the wales 3v2 that we kind of squandered um but that's only because almost anything would be a cleaner execution than that <laughs> wales 3v2 this wasn't this wasn't super great execution to have the 3v2 no. and end up with the shot that yanez ended up with is not great i mean he was pretty he, he ended up pretty far out uh pretty wide tough angle and like pretty yeah. far out from the end line. So he was almost like corner of the box uh, trying to trying to hit that thing. So yeah, he would have had his lot on it <laughs> to like for it to be a you know, unstoppable shot. Really poor angle. So yeah, so it ended as well as it could have possibly ended given where Giannis was taking that shot from. Yep. So 2-1, Joachini gets on the board 26th minute after a passage of play that I would not call glittering but that did progress the ball up the left side. Reyna took a shot from distance, and it kind of deflected and looped over the goal, uh, deflected off the off a Panamanian defender. Reyna took the corner. It fell long to Dest. Uh, and then we got our nicest goal of the game, the one that more or less settled the match. Dest tapped it back to Adams just outside the 18-yard line, and this is when Adams played that. It was a very lovely low ball slipped it in behind for McKenney, who was also making a very good run, a diagonal run from the sort of the top of the key to the <laughs> I keep on using other sport <laughs> references. Uh a diagonal line from from the top of the box uh to the left of the goal and then he, he it was inch perfect. Well to to got on it. To to use the soccer terminology here, it was a it was a nice reverse pass from Adams and it was because I've said this before about Adams. He has a very he's very good at like manipulating uh the micro situation of his passes. So he, he cuts in slightly uh, just a little bit to shape his hips to the inside of the field, which drags everyone that way. And so McKenney's making that reverse run across the, the mm. shift of the defenders. Um, and that's, that's where Adam sort of hits that ball against the grain for McKenney to run into. It was really lovely. Go back and watch the replay. It was, it was, it was very nice. And then McKenney did, I thought quite well to, turn on his heel and loft it with his left foot from the end line, sort of over the goal to the back post where Miazga headed it back across the face of the goal. And then Joe Keeney just kind of threw his head into it and punched it home. Three, one. 
yeah, good decision from Yasuka and very uh, um, <laughs> selfless from, from Joe Aquino to throw his head in because you never know whose foot or fists are going to be arriving at the ball at the same time. Yeah, totally. Situation. Do we would we want Sebastian Legette throwing his beautiful face into a <laughs> into the danger zone like that? No, and that's what people don't realize. Or maybe that's what people do realize, and that's why they don't want him anywhere near that situation. <laughs> and despite the scoreline at this point, I'd say it was not that we didn't look that good. And and then I don't know, you, you can disagree with that if you want, but I would say from from that goal in the 26th minute until the 83rd minute, there were big portions of the match where Panama, Panama was better, just more more flowing in possession, more uh, sort of in control of the ball. And then they scored again after uh, a while, 79th minute. But why? Why is what is wrong with us? Why can't we? Why can't we possess the ball beautifully? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how much of it is that sort of second friendly syndrome. Uh, it did look like a lot of guys were trying to do things on their own uh, over that stretch of forty minutes. Uh, I still think that it, it does change things to not have that uh, uh, f- like false nine mentality. Again, I don't even want to call it a false nine because I don't think we're we're, we're going to be playing true nines there. But they have to. They in this they're going to have to come back and play a little bit. Uh, and we just had no involvement from Giochini there. And we did actually try to find that sort of, I don't know if you'd call it a line-stretching run. Like, we did loft a couple of balls up towards the the forward line, and they were always just turnovers immediately. And that's sort of the issue I have with people thinking that these magical line-stretching runs that they're talking about are just, like, easy to do. Like, we they're usually just giveaways. Like, you gotta you got to build and you got to combine and create in the midfield mm-hmm. uh, to disorganize the opponent. You can't just loft a ball up to the forward and be like, well, he's a forward, so this is what he's good at. Like, <laughs> that's not really what you can do here, uh, even against no. uh, even against Panama. So uh, I don't know, man. It was messy and uh, hard to watch. It was like dull, right? It was a dull messy. Yeah, don't... After, especially after the, the, the goal scoring stopped for a while. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I'll take whatever I can get. Like We, we just Absolutely. went forever without anything. So watching McKenny try anything, whether it comes off or not, I'm I'm great with, uh, but yeah, it was it was a mess. It's, it is to the point where you see when you see a passage of play that is pleasing to the eye, it really sticks out, you know. Um, well, I mean, the one that led to the third goal. I just spent thirty minutes talking about it. So, and the 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 one that uh, there's one with with Ledesma and McKinney towards the end of the game that um, I liked too. Uh, just to move through the timeline quickly here, McKenney could have been shown red, I thought, in the 50th minute for a studs-up challenge. Probably would have in a World Cup qualifier, wouldn't you say? Uh, I have no idea, but I kind of want to get into this sort of like CONCACAF-ness uh, that people we always like to kind of talk about. And like, oh, in, in CONCACAF, you, you know, you can't do those kinds of things. Uh, and I absolutely agree with people saying that, but I feel like... Um, you know, when we talk about sort of the dark arts and stuff, when we're talking about dark arts and World Cup qualifying and CONCACAF, for me, it's never a matter of like trying to toe the line of what you can get away with. I feel like it's kind of the opposite. It's like to really understand the dark arts and CONCACAF, it's about doing everything you can to punish the other team when they try to get up to that line. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have this challenge for McKenney, which is way too close to a line. Essentially, like you can't give a referee <laughs> a reason, you yeah. know, like... If you get a red card there, what you you have no argument, you have no complaint. You're like, yep, I'm, I'm sent off, and 
you know, we're stuck in. The, and I don't know if this being a friendly sort of, they everyone knew going in, like, hey, this is the time to do it. We won't be able to do it in the in the actual qualifiers. And maybe we're playing the long game, and he's trying to piss this these guys off so that in the qualifier we can get them retaliating. I don't know. That's that's a big yeah. stretch. Uh, but there were there were other examples in this game, like Adams two fouls early in the game. Like you do that early in a qualifier and you take a yellow card, uh, that's not a great situation to be in for the next eighty minutes if you're our, you know, destroying center midfielder. Uh, I don't know if you saw Miazga getting into some like baby games in the box off the ball, uh, and like I did not see that. Oh, it was no. horrible. Like the ball's out wide, Panama have it, and there's a Panama forward posted up on Miazga at like the you know the penalty spot, and they're just like throwing elbows. It's like ba- down low basketball stuff that we. Uh, talk about now that we're bringing in other sports constantly and it was just con- like just grabbing shoulders it was basically like what you do in front of a hockey net we're going to talk about yeah. every single sport in this in this podcast uh but it went, on, it went on forever and at any point if if Miazga gives that gives him a little tug on the shoulder and he really flails and gets an AR's attention like that's a penalty like what are we doing and uh that kind of stuff is what throws me off um I think Daniel Smith posted the picture of uh, McKenney getting choked in the Gold Cup final. Yeah. As sort of the contrast, like, oh, really? That's a red card in, in a real game? But that's kind of the, that's exactly what I'm talking about, is if McKenney wants to really, you know, CONCACAF someone, when Guardado's hand goes to his throat, he needs to drop and, like, hold his throat like he's just been, had his windpipe yeah. crushed. Like, that's yeah. the dark instead of, instead of standing there, yeah. Yeah, so it's about it's about when the other team gets up to that line, can you, like, punish them and and make them take the red card it's not about like how close can i get to getting away with something because you are going to go too far we need to stay 100 meters away from that line on the other side and mckinney definitely was not uh, 100 meters away from the red card there he was within safe to say he was within a meter (laughs) so yeah you need a electron microscope to tell how far he was away from so that's that's kind of what i'm thinking is i'm hoping that this was just our guys knowing that there's nothing at stake and this is the time to get that out of your system because uh, we don't want them anywhere near those those uh, lines come qualifying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You gotta, we got to find that. It was just, it was, I mean, they were flirting, I think. I think they probably are a little bit into each other. Yeah, he get, he's, a, he's a hot mess sometimes. Um, 79th minute, the U.S. had a chance. I thought this was kind of kind of interesting when Cardoso won the ball at midfield. Johnny Cardoso came on in the in the second half, and sprang Soto, who also came on came on the seventy seventh minute for Joe Keeney. Soto slipped it a bit too hot out to an on rushing Wea, and then Wea's touch was all wrong, and it caromed off him to the goalkeeper. I'm I'm chuckling at you underselling that uh, that bit too hot piece. I feel like Soto slammed it at Wea's feet and just pinballed it to the goalkeeper. I don't know that you could even describe Wea's touch as an actual touch so much as a deflection to the goalkeeper. Well, because Wea was trying to take it in stride. You know, if he had just like if he had just been like, "Oh, this is coming in hot. I'm gonna like stop," and it would have it would have perhaps the 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 angles that he had would have been closed down if he had stopped in that way but yeah it was too definitely too hot definitely too hot um and then Ledesma mishit a little combination pass with McKenney in the press you know we were trying to win the ball back and McKenney hit it to Ledesma Ledesma hit it back to McKenney but it went over him and sprang a Panama counterattack they were just rushing down the field Cardoso tackled the ball the guy with the ball and it fell to somebody else and he chipped Farhado in, 
and he smashed it past Stefan with his left foot. What happened here? Again, seemed like a very easy goal. Um, yeah, it's, it starts with, tell me. It starts with Ledesma's sort of Keystone Cops moment with McKenny where uh, it's just lack of playing time together. So, you know, McKenny's expecting uh, Ledesma to either like, you know, play at the ball ahead of him rather than playing it to where he just was. Uh, and then, yeah. and then from there it just sort of gets worse. Cardoso goes in with a super, uh, I don't want to even say dangerous, but it was like a, a fouling challenge. I feel like Cardoso's intent was to, uh, stop the play by either winning the ball or fouling, but he ended up not quite doing either. So, uh, because he didn't win the ball, the ref isn't going to stop it for the foul. Uh, and then like Miazga inexplicably like darts forward three steps. Uh, even though there was another center mid coming to pressure, uh, pressure the ball after Cardoso's foul. So Miazga shouldn't be abandoning his deep responsibility, um, which Panama then exploits by hitting the ball, you know, subtly into the space Miazga just left. Cannon hadn't gotten up in time. I think Dest might have been on Cannon's line too. So mm-hmm. Reem assumes that the guy who's half a body length behind him is offside, but he's not because we are, our line's a shambles. Uh, and, and the rest is just a really crisp finish and this one i'm not going to put anything on zach stefan no no pie no piece of the pie on stefan here good good left-footed finish outside of the boot kind of half folly um so that's a brace for farhado who plays in the domestic league in panama i think um yeah so let's let's just move on to the next thing right i think you explained who was at fault there pretty easily it looks like miazga had a rough a rough outing well, he had an assist too. Don't forget, you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta give him the assist. Yeah, laying that aside for a moment, <laughs> he didn't lock down the position. No, no uh, position. In he, he, I thought he was good. I thought his passing was good against Wales. So uh, that will be a, a point in his favor if you're comparing him to like an Aaron Long uh, and trying to figure out how to maximize that that position. Uh, he did get he did get battleship. He got battleship. Do, ex- do you want me to explain what battleshipping is again? <laughs> oh, no, I'm actually waiting to hear what your next reference uh, to living on a submarine is going to be. <laughs> um, okay, Soto had come on for as I said earlier for Giochini in the 77th minute, and it was an eventful appearance for him. 83rd minute, Ledesma from the right channel with. I mean, right wing, really, with Cannon overlapping to his right, whipped a tantalizing cross into the box from from over there, and Soto nodded it down to make it 4-2. A quality ball, but the skeptic will say Ledesma wasn't good in the game before that, and that's true, and that he was under no pressure, which is also true. So, you know, take... It, take it for what it is. It's all of those things. It was a really good, really good cross in, but the the game essentially like had just ceased to be a contest. This is a, this is one of those weird. Uh, even though it was only three to two, uh, like Panama was just done. They just stopped playing. That that cross I think came at the end of like an eighteen or I, was, I don't know how many passes. You will have to count the passes for me, bells. But it was like thirty seconds of of us just moving the ball around all the way back to Stefan from one side, then to the other side, back over to Ledesma. Uh, and despite all that, despite sort of how methodical that possession was, when Ledesma crosses it into Soto, there's like there's three Panama defenders in the box, and this is kind of the big contrast between Panama and Wales, uh, because we were crossing the ball into in that uh, Wales game, and there are eight defenders in the box. Like we're crossing mm-hmm. constantly against a fully complete like dialed in defense. That is not what Panama looked like for the last ten minutes of this game. It was very much like shadow play. Uh, which is, you know, 
part of part of playing weak teams, uh, and you still need is to that execute. they just give up? Yeah, I mean they they give up, and we saw it. In the, we see it even in meaningful matches in the Gold Cup. We see teams give up. Uh, we'll see it even in qualifying uh, in our home games, especially. I know Honduras gave up against us when we beat them. What did we beat them four six zero? Uh, arena's first game and then panama yeah gave up when we thrashed them down in florida so you'll you'll have these moments and you still need to capitalize and ru- like run it up and we we did a good job of running it up and hopefully the, the guys they, they did they clearly started to have a lot of fun in this last 10 minutes tons of back heels uh yeah tons of fun little things that uh i mean what more could you ask for after 10 months of not playing yeah i i thought well, the, the 87th minute was the legit goal on a similar cross from Cannon, just off a set piece from a similar area, similar height, and Legette just headed it in near post. Um, so he did that just to bolster Greg's <laughs> argument he, at the top of the podcast. You would have had another. You would have had another one. Uh, I don't think you start early enough in your in your next. You you go with your next uh, your next timeline event after Legette's goal. The next one is the second Soto goal, which is also assisted by Ledesma. Uh, makes it 6-2 USA. This one was preceded by an encouraging, for me, spell of play where Ledesma and McKinney, this is the, those back heels you were talking about. Yes. They're just kind of messing around over on the right, in the right wing. Um, but they did some nice combination stuff, and Wea kept hitting shots that were blocked and then ricocheted back out to one of the two of them. Not quite, and, Bells. Wea didn't hit a shot that was blocked on this one. On this one, Wea moved the ball over to Legit and Legit had a shot from like eight, probably 15 yards uh, that was bl- that got blocked. cleared off the line by Sebastian Soto. Oh, really? Yeah, so Legit would have had two. Um, given the goalkeeping quality, I'm, I'm, a, I'm guaranteeing that it would have been his second goal, but Soto blocked it to keep the play alive so that Soto could end up getting the goal. I didn't see that. I didn't notice that. Um, interesting. So yeah, then then uh, Ledesma hit a, a different sort of cross. This one very long to the back post, more looping, and Soto just kind of headed it down right and snuck it in at yeah. the at the far post. Tight angle there. Yeah, this is this, again total shadow play here because when Wea hits the ball out wide to Ledesma to cross it, like Wea had already missed Cannon's overlapping run, so you just have two wide open players out there, uh, and you can just take your pick of whoever wants to deliver the cross under no pressure. I'm not again. Yeah. I'm not putting any of this down. This is glorious, and we should we should want this in all of our friendlies against Concacaf opposition. Like we should have them at the point in the last 15 minutes where they have nothing left to compete. Yeah, it's super fun. We just have to be realistic about you know what it means. I have some questions for you. So well, I already asked you one, and we didn't really we didn't really get an answer, and so I'll take an L on that. But but. Uh, what about Musa? Can you talk about what you think he offers and why he's why he is so valuable? Well, he's super valuable because uh, you know there's there's been this long history of us playing like uh, midfields that are are constructed with at least one sort of lumbering slow player in them, uh, and even that player isn't necessarily like uh, some technical savant. Like we we keep talking about how they have usually it's about the long diagonal, um, and what we have in McKenney and Adams and and Musa are three guys who are technically, in my opinion, like about as good as anyone in the pool. So they're not like, they're not just like we're throwing athletes in the middle and, and having them chase. Uh, like these guys are all 
upper echelon U.S. men's national team. Adams, maybe you can you can quibble with, but again, even he has the, the presence of mind and the shiftiness to hit those little passes uh, that we saw him hit to create one of the goal scoring opportunities. Uh, so it's just a completely different level of player, you know, top five league center mids, um, who also are not liabilities whatsoever on the defensive side of the ball and, and are obviously in most cases like very strong on the defensive side of the ball. And this is yeah. what we this this should be, in my mind, like the future of the team and, and Musa is just a huge piece of it. I don't know that he's the only guy in the pool who you have who can offer this uh flexibility and strength. Um, but it's awesome that we have him and it's awesome that he's seventeen. And who knows where he will go, uh, both in terms of his development and how far he'll progress, and in terms of what country he will end up representing. Hmm. Yeah. He seemed like he was enjoy- enjoying himself, too. A lot of smiles. Um, and why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he enjoy himself? Hopefully he, he sticks around. So we, 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 did, we talked a little bit about why we can't possess the ball beautifully for big spells of the game. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'm willing to give it some more time, I guess. We should. Uh, but but we saw in this game, I think, a lot of McKenney trying things, Musa trying things, Reina trying things. Uh, and when those guys are turning the ball over in, in a window like this, like it's kind of like I'm fine with it because that's who I want turning the ball over. I want guys who are capable. You know, Musa did a bunch of guys to get fouled to set up Reina's shot because he's capable of doing those guys. Uh, McKenney did the same when he'd bring the ball up the field. And we know Reina can do can do people on the dribble. So it's like, I'm glad that when, when we're trying things, it's those guys trying things. And if they lose it, fine. Like we'll take that. We'll take the rewards, even though uh, it's not always going to come off. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about Miazga having a rough, a rough window in some ways and definitely a rough day yesterday. Um, I was, I was going to say cannons nice and reliable occasionally dangerous up the wing i don't think dest is perfectly suited for left back but that pairing i think you get i think i mean we'll see how anthony robinson progresses but right now i would much rather see candidate right back and dest at left back i was i I would I'll, i'll push back on that and just be like if we're taking robinson's performance against wales versus like the cannon performance against a much worse panama like i just think we should be careful sort of making hard and fast conclusions there. Well, I was already sort of in the cannon on the right, Dest on the left camp. Okay. Um, so I needed uh, Anthony Robinson to sort of move the needle there. And I'm not discounting him. I'm not writing him off. I got like a 17-tweet thread from somebody defending Anthony to us. <laughs> uh, maybe you saw it too. But I, I'm not like I'm not like writing him off, but like you can't tell me after that game that he's, you know... He's the guy at left back. Oh, no, I don't know if he is either. Yet. I, I really want to see him with Pulisic once and, and see what that does for him. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I say some of the kids need time. They definitely do, but they have repeatedly found ways to impact national team matches. Um, when I say kids, I mean players from the last U20 cycle. Yanez was a good attacking player in several moments of this game. Doesn't defend or win physical battles kind of at all. And, I mean, he defends a little bit, I should say. He does. He, he had some defensive moments, uh, but I think, and I think that stuff matters. But he does, um, and he needs to improve at it. But he does. He's a good attacking player. He does stuff in the attack that is pleasant for the eyes. Same with Ledesma. His crossing was excellent. He got the two assists, but it was kind of a horror show initially when he came on. 
I'd say improved. And there was that sequence with McKenny, but you're gonna say, and I think it's it's fair that none of it matters because the game was over at that point anyway. It doesn't it doesn't matter, but it doesn't not matter. <laughs> it was good to see like I'll, it, mm. if if it had just been all bad, like if everything had been bad, uh, the way the first few minutes of most of the subs uh, performances went, um, that would have been worse than than to at least have that eight nine minutes of just like clowning people. Yeah, the clowning yeah. people is gonna go a long way for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he um he. Th- they look like they both need to just get a little stronger and a little more used to the the rigors of adult soccer. Uh, how about Wea and Richards? Other those other U twenty alums coming in. I did not. You know, I I did not. I don't have too much to say about either of them. I thought. I thought I'm, I was glad to see them on, but I didn't think Wea made that much of an impact on the game. Did you? No, not particularly. Uh, he still looks so. I, other than the very, very end when they when he was kind of involved in those clowning sequences, uh, I haven't seen him do the the things that he was doing uh, in 2018 in his in his senior team performances, where uh, he doesn't look nearly as like clean. Uh, in 2000, 2018, even when he had you know almost no first team club experience, uh, he always actually looked really polished as a player. And I don't know if it's if it's still coming back from injury, um, but that polish isn't always there. You still see a lot of the right ideas, um, but the execution just seems a little bit off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll just have to be patient with him. I mean, oh, he's coming much. back coming back from a. I mean, stop being impatient, Greg. <laughs> he's. Uh, He's coming back from some serious injuries, and um, you know we'll just see how we'll see how it goes. Anything else? Uh, I'll piggyback a little bit. Like I, I really am not drawing any conclusions, good or bad, on any of the new faces, other than uh, Eunice Musa. And my conclusion there is he's he's our starter until he defects. Uh, and the the big numbers we put up are really fun versus Panama. Uh, but the big thing is just is just the matter like the big takeaway is just the fact that the door was open to them in the first place. Um, you know, not all of them are in ideal club situations, uh, but to be able to bring them in, Giannis, Giannis, uh, Soto, Conrad, like. But for these guys, even Chris Richards isn't a great club situation for like his immediate, for our immediate needs. He might be in a fine club situation for his long term career, but for what we want. <laughs> As a national team, you might not be in the best uh, no. environment. Um, but yeah, the door's open, and, and I think what we see again is these guys can still come in to the senior team and not in any way like be not embarrass themselves or not falling over all, all over the place, or or they're not doing it any more than sort of our veteran senior team players. So uh, I, I'm glad the door was open to them. I'm glad that they some of them really sort of took advantage of their first chance. Uh, I don't know what the chances are going to look like as we have more camps that they aren't going to even be able to get to uh, in December and January. And then once we get sort of full, full strength in March, if, if that can ever happen in the summer, like it'll just be kind of interesting to see which of them made enough of an impression on Burhalter to, uh, to stay in the mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are going to be injuries and, and, you know, shortages where somebody might get to step up and get their chance, even if they didn't impress that much. So, yeah, and while I don't, uh, I, I don't, I don't hope that we have to rely on you know all or many of these guys against uh, France in a World Cup group stage game. Uh, it it does make you feel a little bit better about okay, we've got 
we have El Salvador coming up in the octagon, and we need we need a guy because pool six out. Uh, who who's gonna like be able to at least be on the bench and be an option? Mm-hmm. And now I think Ulianas yeah, is, is is available. Games like this make you feel a little bit better. And again, this is why it's nice to have these games ten months out from qualifying, so that we can sort of build that uh, trust that Burhalter has in, in the players and that the players have in each other. Uh, even if again only only a handful of them, uh, the guys who are sort of on the bench, even if only a handful of them really have a chance at being meaningfully involved. Yeah. Okay. And and we I guess we're glad that they're that Berhalter is doing this is what we've been asking for for years. Uh December camp coming up. December camp. Oh yeah. Uh it's it's rumored I think El, I think someone on the El Salvador side posted that US men's national team versus El Salvador on December 9th. Uh notably the MLS playoffs will overlap that. I think the MLS Cup is December 12th, and the semifinals are the 6th of December. So any of the four teams in the semifinals probably not going to release their players. So if you have hopes for uh, a specific MLS player, it's very likely that Jordan Morris will still be alive in the playoffs and may not be able to play in the December camp. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure Philadelphia will probably choke in the playoffs. <laughs> Do, 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 um, yeah, okay. I'm just kidding, Philadelphia fans. I, I, I hope you guys do great. Let's see. A couple of little programming notes. Well, just one. Thank you to all our Patreon our Patreon supporters. That's uh, it's wonderful. We appreciate it. We don't thank you enough. Um, anything else, Greg? No, 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 no. We're, we're looking, side, looking forward to... Uh, the December camp roster announcement, which has to be coming up actually pretty soon, or maybe they'll wait until uh, the first round of teams lose from the MLS playoffs. I don't know how they're gonna, I don't know how they're gonna solve all that on such short notice. But uh, more power to them for trying. Yeah, if the game is the seventh, that's what two, three weeks away. Ninth, three game's weeks the ninth. Ninth, ninth. Okay, it's a little over three weeks. And and I think so. Again, the MLS quarterfinals. Sorry to keep going on this. I think are like up up through December second. So I don't know if they'll have to wait until the day after that to, to announce like the full or if they'll just start adding guys one team at a time as teams lose. Like, uh, all right, I, we know Legette can be there. Yeah, Berhalter's probably just calling up the whole Chicago Fire roster. Are they in the playoffs? <laughs> no, Fire are not Forget. in the playoffs. We've got okay. Georgie and Legette. Yep, good, good. Paul Ariola. We get, we get Paul Ariola back. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you. Thank you.